I died to the law so that I might live for God. Paul of Tarsus, Galatians chapter 2, verse 19. But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. Paul of Tarsus was a Hebrew born with the name Saul in Tarsus in Cilicia, which is modern Turkey. He was a Greek-speaking Jew born during the time of Jesus Christ. He died in Rome, Italy, at or around the age of 65. He was an educated man who studied in Jerusalem at the school of Gamaliel. And you may recall we spoke about Gamaliel in a previous podcast. One of the most noted rabbis in history, Gamaliel. And yes, Paul was his pupil. Paul was a member of the Pharisees, a high-ranking religious party of great influence and power amongst the Jewish leadership. Paul was able to quote the Old Testament extensively and had a deep conviction to the Hebrew faith. He was tasked with persecuting any Jews who were converting to the Christ movement. After Christ had ascended into heaven, there was a massive conversion amongst many Jews to become Christians. Paul was assigned to travel from synagogue to synagogue, urging that any conversions be met with corporal punishment. When a mob stoned the first martyr, the apostle Stephen, for preaching the gospel, witnesses laid their cloaks at Saul's slash Paul's feet, and he approved of their stoning Stephen to death. Welcome to JC and Me, I'm Pastor Joseph Clark. Paul embarked to the city of Damascus on his way from Jerusalem with a mandate given to him directly from the Hebrew high priests to seek out and arrest Christians and return them to Jerusalem as prisoners for examination and torture and possibly execution. However, a few days later, Paul himself converted to Christianity and devoted the rest of his life to a highly active and successful ministry as an apostle of Jesus Christ, which placed his own life at risk for the rest of his days. He was imprisoned multiple times, tortured, and eventually executed for being an apostle. Paul is believed to have written 13 books of the New Testament and planted 14 churches. Many theologians claim that What Paul did for Christianity was second only to that done by Jesus himself. So what happened to Paul? Why would a man who had high status and was known as one of the best Jews and best Pharisees of his generation and who had demonstrated an extraordinary religious conviction show up one day and completely change to the super-Christian apostle? Paul wrote and testified frequently that on his way to Damascus, Christ appeared to him in a blinding light as is best witnessed in the following Bible passage, Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 19. I'll read it here. It's from the New International Version. Saul's conversion. Beginning on verse 9, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, 
whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. And that's the end of our passage. It could be argued that Paul had a change of heart due to regret or guilt over the people whom he was prosecuting. But do you really think that he would spend the rest of his days endangering his life and working exhaustively for Christ if he did not actually experience this? The Holy Spirit tells us in the Word, In the same way let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father, who is in heaven. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous, grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who re repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Luke chapter 15, verse 7. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Psalm 103, verses 2 to 4. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. 
Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Paul's intense conviction for God did not change. It was fueled and impassioned that much more as an apostle of Jesus Christ. His talents, his education, his relationships and connections made him an incredible asset for Christ's ministry. How many of us have seen that our strengths and gifts have been capitalized on for the good of God's kingdom? When the Lord has us anointed, it becomes obvious to us. Up until that point, we can be oblivious. Here are some examples of this. And I'm, I'm quoting here some particular individuals. The first one, Omar, last name anonymous, former Syrian Muslim who lived under the ISIS regime and now has converted to Christianity. He says, no one is forced to convert. Our weapon is the prayer, the spreading of spirit of love, brotherhood, and tolerance. Here's Bobby Jindal, former Hindu who converted to Christianity. I began reading the Bible to disprove the Christian faith I was learning both to admire and despise. I cannot begin to describe my feelings when I first read the New Testament texts. I saw myself in many of the parables and felt as if the Bible had been written especially for me. Here's another quote from Danny McKinney, former satanic cult member and Satan worshiper. I thank God for his patience with me and willingness to accept me after all the terrible things I had done. And here is a former street gang leader of the Latin Syndicate, Latin Syndicate who converted to Christian street minister. I lived a very crazy life. I did some horrible things in my life that I know it's only by the grace of God and his mercy that I'm alive and free. And again, that's from a former street gang leader of the Latin Syndicate who converted to Christian street minister. Let us rejoice in these conversions and those who are saved by Jesus Christ taking on their sins and his sacrifice on the cross as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Praise be to God for the miraculous conversions, redemptions, and justifications which take place each and every day. The Lord gives us the free will and choice to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. God has a plan for us. He is aware of our every talent, gift, skill, and capability. And He may permit us to suffer and for the enemy to take hold temporarily as this hones our arsenal of life experience, which can benefit discipleship or ministry once we're called by the Holy Spirit. You are listening to JC and me. I'm Pastor Joseph Clark. Please be sure to check out my free Christian resources at www.christianminister.ca. There you're welcome to use my free videos, weekly articles, and podcasts. And if this is your first time listening to JC and me, be sure to listen to our past episodes. We are on episode 14 or 15 or somewhere thereabouts. The point being, there's so much more to listen to. For the second half of this episode, our next topic is a Christian named Desmond T. Doss, who is famed as saying, 
one more, Lord. Help me get just one more. And Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Born in 1919 in Lynchburg, Virginia, his father a carpenter, he was raised from his childhood as a devout Seventh-day Adventist, and his family instilled Sabbath worship, a devotion to the Word, and a life walked out and led by Christ. He took a job at a shipyard to help support his family during the Great Depression. When the World War II conscription took place, he volunteered for service, despite the fact that he qualified for a deferment on account of his work at the shipyard. A deferment meaning that he could continue doing his job and not have to go to war. Regardless, Desmond T. Doss enlisted, informing the army that he was a conscientious objector and he volunteered to serve as a medic. Instead, the army sent him to boot camp as part of a rifle company. The skinny Virginian refused to carry a rifle or to kill. He made it clear that he wanted to save lives, not to take them. This upset some people. His superior officers and non-commissioned officers tried everything to make life so difficult that Doss would quit. They even attempted to court-martial him, but he refused to quit. He was not going anywhere. His fellow troops bullied him and cursed him. See, from their perspective, they saw him as a coward and a wimp. But Doss was raised with a fervent faith and his fellow soldiers saw his puritanical Bible reading and constant praying as a threat to their safety, and so they ostracized him. You are listening to JC and me, and I'm Pastor Joseph Clark. He served as a medic for his rifle company in the Japanese-held Pacific Islands. He never held a grudge. Any time that a wounded soldier called out medic, Desmond T. Doss would place himself in harm's way amid enemy gunfire and explosions as he saved and treated his fellow soldiers. He even treated fallen enemy troops. At one such escarpment, which was called Hacksaw Ridge, which the Americans fought for inch by bloody inch, on May 5, 1945, his superior officers called a general retreat as they were overrun by the Japanese. Wounded American survivors were left scattered across the battlefield as the company retreated and climbed back down a cliff. Doss remained behind against orders. He spent the entire day and night by himself dragging the wounded to the cliff to safety. He treated them and then lowered them down. His courage and faith in God resulted in Doss saving 75 of his wounded comrades, including some of his superiors who had attempted to have him court-martialed. Every time he retrieved a man and dragged him to safety, he would pray, One more, Lord. Help me get just one more. He did not carry or shoot a rifle once. His only weapons were his Bible and his faith in God. Eventually, the Americans took Hacksaw Ridge. However, his company would not go back without Doss praying for them and accompanying them for the battle. Doss was eventually brutally wounded by a grenade shrapnel, and yet he refused to be taken by the medics until yet another wounded man 
was taken before him. President Harry S. Truman awarded him the Congressional Medal of Honor, the first conscientious objector to win the medal. Truman held Doss's hand throughout the entire citation. I'm proud of you, Truman said. You really deserve this. I consider this a greater honor than being president. Doss was awarded several other medals, including the Purple Heart, two Bronze Stars, and the Good Conduct Medal. As a result of his war injuries, he would lose a lung and five ribs. That being said, he lived to the age of 87. He married twice, as his first wife of 49 years died in a car accident, tragically, in 1991. He had a son, Desmond Tommy Doss Jr., Veteran Carl Bentley, who was also at Hacksaw Ridge, said, It's as if God had his hand on Doss's shoulder. It's the only explanation I can give. Doss's conviction and devotion to God shone brightly as an unarmed medic who saved lives instead of taking them. The Holy Spirit tells us in the Word, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted, and established in love. Galatians chapter 2 verse 16. Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, For we live by faith, we live by faith, not by sight. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. And Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. Doss's strength of conviction went beyond what was convenient, easy, popular, accepted, and generally appreciated. However, by remaining steadfast in his faith and loyalty to God, and by not compromising on his devotion and respect for God's word, he eventually won over the admiration and respect of those who once bullied and harassed him. He did not justify making an exception to his faith. He remained solid. He walked it out strictly and accepted the persecution and judgment that came with being a saved member of God's kingdom. How many Christians today make excuses for their sins? How many Christians read the Word, attend service in small groups, read devotionals, and when the time comes to demonstrate strength and conviction, 
they fold and give in to temptation. Then the next day they say that they hate themselves, that they are ashamed of themselves and claim to repent, only to do it all over again a few days later. Does God know our struggles? Absolutely. Does he expect of us obedience, self-restraint, self-discipline, and sacrifice? Absolutely. Now, I have some quotes here that are relevant that I wanted to share with you. The first is from RansomHeart.com. The mighty victory is staying true to God. It is maintaining a a mature perspective where God means everything to you. The next is from carryshook.org. We can stay true to God when we keep our focus on Jesus and remember that this world is not our home. One day, Jesus is coming back and will bring everything under his control. The next quote is from inspiration.org. When faced with a decision, remember to ask yourself, is this the Lord's way or is it the world's way? And our last quote, preachology.com. What should we do when others attack our belief in God? When others attack our belief in God, we should continue to do what is right. When others attack our belief in God, we should continue to look to God for strength and answers. When others attack our belief in God, we should praise God for what he has done for us. Abraham had such conviction for God that he was willing to sacrifice his only son. Our glorious Father in heaven had such a conviction for his love for us that he sent his only son, God in the flesh, to be the sacrificial lamb of God, to die on the cross and take away the sins of the world. How many of us would have such firm conviction that we would sacrifice one of our children and sacrifice ourselves? Doss put his life on the line for his fellow man, all the while remaining true to God. Thank you for listening to JC and me. I'm Pastor Joseph Clark. May the risen Christ be with you on all of your travels and dealings this week. God bless you.